Welcome to the NextGen Podcast, where we explore the next generation's perspective on the future of business. This podcast is powered by Commercial Sync. You can learn more about integrating your ERP and CRM today at commercial.com. So hi, everyone. I'm Victoria Jenkins. I'm the content specialist here at Commercial, and I'm also one of the youngest members of Commercial. And Noah? And I'm Noah Thomas. I'm the head of partnerships and marketing here at Commercial, and I am in the millennial generation. And today we're joined by Michelle Hansen, the Senior Salesforce Administrator at NISC. Did I get that right, Michelle? You sure did. Awesome. And what does NISC stand for again? National Information Solutions Cooperative. We're actually a tech co-op, which is kind of unique in this day and age. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. And just to add to your credentialing here, you're nine times certified. Uh, and you are a hashtag accidental admin like myself. Uh, you've been working with Salesforce for the last six years. Um, you're very active, as I've noticed, on the Trailblazer community. Uh, you're also a user group leader, lightning champion, mentor, and customer experience ambassador. Uh, you are also a trailblazer, as I understand. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of the whole... Salesforce marketing stick and it's just about, you know, leading the way, blazing your own trail and then turning around to help those that come after you sort of have an easier time on that path until they get to the point to branch out onto their own. And I mean, I absolutely just love giving back. It's amazing to me how much help I've gotten from this Ohana and being able to pass that forward is just, it's huge. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things I, I loved most about Salesforce my first year uh, as an accidental admin, you know, I got the call from our, our, our co-founder and he said, hey, you know, I'd really like it if you took over Salesforce and, and did some internal work with it. Ironic because we're a Salesforce ISV, but, um, you know, we, we really hadn't dove too deep into it. We had a couple of custom fields and stuff and the community is just so helpful in, in setting that up. Um, I've definitely read uh, uh, quite a few answers that I think you've probably written in Salesforce that have saved <laughs> me more than a few hours of work. So I appreciate that. Um, and today we're talking about documentation, of course. Uh, so, you know, uh, one of the key things, and I was telling Victoria this just before we started, was, um, you know, setting up and, and getting to know a system is one thing. Um, documenting it for the future usability and also for your own sanity <laughs> to go back and check the documentation of how you set something up uh, is pivotal. It's really, really um, uh, important to, to set that up. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about documentation in your career with uh, NISC or just in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as an accidental admin, it's one of those things where they don't really teach you about that. It's more of a soft skill. Uh, it goes along with some of the business analyst, you know, process um, mapping, all of those things. And it's really important to have a solidly run and well-maintained org but it's not one of those Salesforce specific tech skills that is necessarily quite as prominent on Trailhead. Um, so for the longest time, you know, when I became an accidental admin, it was learn Salesforce. What's a custom object? What's a custom field? How do you build a flow? Um, and it was always fun to go and find the next puzzle and solve the next problem until they asked me to go back and start changing some things. And I would look at it and go, what did I do? I, don't remember how this is supposed to work and I'm not really sure where to go from here. And so I'd have to spend a couple of hours digging in 
and essentially re-engineering the process that I'd already built before I could do anything else. And I mean, that just annoyed me. So more or less documentation became the way that I tried to annoy myself less. Um, the more I got into the Salesforce world and met the Ohana and started going to conferences and things and started learning more about how to actually kind of be the caretaker of an org, the more I learned about how important documentation was. And it became a topic where, honestly, I started presenting on it because it was a way to hold myself accountable for making documentation. Because if I'm going to go to Dreamforce and present on documentation and tell you how important it is, you better believe I better have my documentation squared away. Otherwise, someone's going to call me out on this and, and we just, we can't have that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really kind of how this whole thing came about was if I'm going to teach it, then I have to do it. And the best way to learn something is by teaching it. So it helps me figure out kind of what documentation I felt was important and how to write it. Um, and again, instead of someone else having to go through this same struggle where you, you do it the hard way or worse, you don't do it at all for so long, and then you have to kind of play catch up. If I can help someone earlier in their career learn this and put together a plan to document it, they won't have to go through the same struggles I did. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, I, I, I like asking this question uh, first. I, have, I think I have it further down in our, our little Google Doc here. But um, so when would you say it's too late to start documenting processes? You know, you said it's always terrible to go back. I, I know that feeling. Uh, year two going back and going, huh, I made a multi-select pick list. That was a mistake. Now let me go redocument all of this and why I made this this way. So uh, when would you say it's too late to start documenting processes or is there a too late? Um, well, the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this question was tomorrow. Tomorrow is too late, um, which is honestly a joke because the answer is never. And the reason I say tomorrow is too late is because you need to start today. Um, really, it's a better, than, like, better late than never scenario. Um, if you're in the position that I was in where I had an org that I'd built over years, I mean, we have a 10 year old org, almost 11 years now. Um, there was five years of, of customization before I even started really working with it and probably two or three years of my customization before I really got into documentation. So what am I supposed to do with eight years of things that haven't been documented? It's, it's overwhelming. Um, you just, you have to start somewhere. And so there's kind of two paths that I sort of decided for myself. I said, okay, number one, I know better. Now I'm going to start doing better. So starting today, the next project, I'm going to work on documenting it. And I'm going to build this into my processes going forward and into my project time. Then there's also kind of, it's the same thing as addressing tech debt. You know, it's addressing documentation debt. Um, go back and start looking at all of the things in your org. And I mean, the key question for me is how does your org make money? Like if you don't know how the company makes money, you're kind of in a bind. So start by documenting those processes. What is business critical that helps you keep the lights on? That way, if key people end up being unavailable for whatever reason, you know, hit by a bus, win the lottery, abducted by aliens, um, you have something that you can go back to and, and work with to at least keep things moving forward. From there, it's, you know, 
what's the most complex process? What's the, the hardest for someone to learn or remember or has the most kind of fingers in the pie? So that way you can actually clearly document out, okay, this is what happens. This is your piece of it. This is how this interacts with everyone else involved. And once you start to understand your place in the larger process, it really helps with communication, understanding, teamwork, all of that stuff. And then from there, it's just, you know, if you take 20% of every new release to address tech debt, I've heard as a, a you know, guideline, you know, take 20% of your documentation time to go back and just start documenting things in your org that aren't. But anything is better than nothing. Yeah. And absolutely. it doesn't have to be perfect from the get-go. Yeah, I like that call out too. Um, you know, understand your sales processes. I, I think that's something that, you know, I, originally, at least for me, was totally lost on me. You know, I took the approach of this is a piece of technology. I'm going to figure out how to program it. I'm going to figure out what I need to do, you know, from a tech perspective. But that's a really good call out. At the end of the day, Salesforce is a sales system and you need to understand how your org makes money. And that will influence a lot of your decision making, um, especially when you're when you're doing things as an admin. Um, I know that's influenced more than a few of my decisions, but that's a, that's a really good call out. I hadn't thought of that um, before when it comes to documentation, you know, I, I've always focused on the, let's see how this field works and how this, these interdependencies work with each other. So it's interesting. Um, and then what would you say the key to capturing a process is for you? Um, and how do you address uh, the, the constant issue of I'm documenting this, but uh, is it accessible versus the convenience of it uh, to add to it, right? Uh, from your perspective. So honestly, I think the key to capturing any process is to really understand this, like each step of the process and the reason behind it. Um, what are we doing? And more importantly, why are we doing this? What is our end goal? Um, and this goes into pretty much everything you do with a Salesforce admin. I once heard the quote, unleash your inner toddler. Ask why at least five times. Um, if you understand what they're trying to accomplish, then you can start to figure out how the systems and technology support that. And that's really what we're here to do. Um, there's tons of cool stuff that you can do on Salesforce. I mean, I could build an app that checks the temperature at my house and, you know, looks at my Nest thermostat and tracks that. That's not going to do any good for the software company I work for, even though it's something that Salesforce can do. So it's about making sure that the technology is supporting the goals of the overall business and, you know, the goals of this particular process. Um, understanding the environment in which this process lives. So who all is involved? Why is it done the way it's done today? And is there room for change? Um, what are the systems and technology that are involved and what outcomes are you trying to get to? Um, a lot of times people are asking, can you build me this custom object? Can you build me this custom field? I need to track this, that, or the other. And truly what they're trying to do is come up with a way to filter reports, or they're trying to segment our, you know, potential customer base in certain ways so that we can, you know, develop marketing strategies or, or things like that. Now, do you really need a custom object or a custom field for that? Sometimes, yes, you might. But other times, there's other options that we have that make more sense to accomplish what you're trying to do. So really, what I like to do is understand the why. And then we can start to figure out the how or the what. Yeah, that's... The other, I think the other thing that's important with that is you talk about, you know, accessibility versus convenience. Um, 
there's a lot of things that you can document in Salesforce. There's a lot of great presentations that are out there about how to document Salesforce in Salesforce. Um, and I generally tend to use a few tried and true types of programs for documentation, but I end up also trying to make everything live within Salesforce so that it's accessible to the people where they need it. And speaking of people, I also often have different versions of documentation because if you think about it, what I as an admin need to build or maintain the system is completely different than what the user needs to be able to actually do their job. And that's, again, light years away from what my executive team needs to understand what we're accomplishing. They don't care about custom objects and custom fields and the fact that I have a process builder that kicks off a flow that does seven other things. They want to know that when we click a button, things happen. So sometimes it's about having multiple layers of documentation or versions of documentation to satisfy the different audiences as well. Yeah, definitely. That's my, my inner marketer kicks in and says, yeah, that's uh, you gotta, you gotta go to your audience and make sure you're talking at their level and what they care about, right? Addressing Absolutely. their needs and pain points. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. So then, I mean, taking the accessibility aspect further. So in project planning, uh, documentation is of course so critical, but once the project is closed, how can businesses uh, enable themselves to access the knowledge stored in those documents? And I think honestly, that goes back to document Salesforce in Salesforce. Um, build yourself a repository and get your stakeholders involved and determine where that repository should live. Um, it needs to be somewhere that's accessible to your users. If it's maybe on a network and you want it protected behind a login or something, that's fine. But honestly, Salesforce has a login. That's probably where they're going to be when they need this documentation. So why not make Salesforce that repository? Um, knowledge, files, custom objects, um, app exchange partners, all of these are options that you can use for being able to build a documentation repository within Salesforce above and beyond what you can do with description fields and help text fields, which, you know, by the way, should always be filled in and not just this is the name of the record because that's really not helpful. Um, but even in-app guidance is something new that came out, I think in summer 19. Um, it gives you the ability to really be able to put that information at the fingertips of the users at the point where they need it even. Instead of, oh, I'm stuck in the middle of this process. Where can I go for information? Gosh, gee, oh, right. Somebody stored something in Salesforce somewhere. Let me go search for it. You know, pop it up with a prompt that says, do you need help doing process X? Well, here is documentation on the steps to do it if you'd like to open this in a separate window and follow along step by step. I mean, how much of a better user experience is that? How many support calls does that reduce with people going, hey, I can't do my job today and I need you to drop everything so that I can finish task ABC. Yeah. So there's some other benefits to it as well. Yeah, that's true. Very interesting. And actually, I do want to go back a little bit to earlier you saying that you would pretty much meet your audience uh, or give your audience the different documents and documentation forms that they want. So how would you approach, for example, like a boss or C-suite executive with this information, this documentation? I think the release notes that I build are actually probably a good example of this. Um, and I went through this at my Dreamforce presentation in 2019. I build my release notes so that the first page is basically an overview. I've got maybe a one, two sentence at max 
overview of everything that we're releasing. So if you read nothing else, take the highlights page and you'll have a decent idea of what's going on in the work and what we're trying to fix and, and some things like that. That's probably all the C-suite or, you know, manager level need if they're not down and dirty in those processes. But then every single one of them hyperlinks to the section of the document that actually goes through step-by-step step the reasoning behind why we wrote this or built this, the steps to actually do it, um, and then the other considerations or things that it may change because everything is interconnected within an org. And then if it's probably more than a three or four step process or if there's a lot of contingencies involved with it, I will actually go a step further and I will build step-by-step how-to documentation. Uh, and I will link that into my release notes as well. So you've got this high-level executive overview. You've got the, here's the meat of the release notes for the people who are going to be using the system. And then there's the, I need help through this process level that goes a step further into a step for a document to kind of hit everybody at those levels. And again, that's just the user side. What I've documented on the back end so that you know I or other admins in the future can modify this if necessary, that's a bunch of mumbo jumbo that my users aren't going to understand, let alone care about. So that's somewhere else besides where we're putting user-facing documentation. Yeah, and I think okay. some people have the, the flawed perception that uh, documenting means I'm prepping someone else to take over my job for cheaper, right? Um, that I, I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm telling everybody the secret sauce that is what I've set up, right? Um, and if, if I don't know, if, if someone else doesn't know how to do it, then I have job security, right? Um, and we talk people out of this all the time, you know, with, with our integration tools and we talk to IT administrators all the time about, hey, we're not taking something away from you, we're simply helping you, right? Uh, so how do, you, how do you address that to the people that give you that pushback? You know, fortunately, I haven't got a lot of it, but um, one of the things I talk about in my Dreamforce presentation is job insecurity. Um, everybody is always so worried about keeping what's mine, you know, keep it close to the, the chest. Nobody else can touch it. Um, that's all well, fine and good until you decide that you are ready to move on. And if you're looking at other opportunities within the same organization, obviously, because if you give your two weeks notice, see, yeah, you're gone. They can't stop you. Um, but how would it feel if you approached your supervisor and said, you know what, I'm really interested in this opportunity over here. Maybe it's a new team or a new project. And they go, you know what, that's great. And I think you'd be a wonderful fit, but I can't afford to lose you. So the answer is no. Um, you've taken that job security kind of mindset and shot yourself in the foot. So there's a certain degree of, do you want to be able to take a vacation and actually disconnect from work and not have people calling you every hour with, Nobody else knows how to do this, so we're having to call you. Sorry for interrupting your vacation. Yeah. Or I've left you in a good enough spot where I have the freedom and ability to pursue something that's going to take my career to the next step because I've prepared for that. And I think it's a change in mindset to go, yeah, sure, it's, it's great if you're the only one around and you're a key player, but I mean, do you really want to be the person that holds your company hostage and yourself as well? Or do you want to be someone who has all of this available documentation so that you're well organized and you're well prepared and it serves as an opportunity to give you a leg up in other ways? So, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's, that's probably how I would respond to that. Job security is great, but job insecurity is maybe better or at least a little bit of job freedom. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mobility. Yeah, that's very interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so, so or, sorry, <laughs> I, it's okay. I'll take the, I'll take the next one. Uh, the, the other Go question ahead. I had was, um, so what is one thing that you wish you would have known at the, the start of your professional journey, either in Salesforce or just in general? Um, you know, we try to ask everybody this, and I think the job mobility thing is, is something that I, I wish I would have known even earlier than I realized it, because uh, it, it limited, you know, uh, my career at first, and I totally agree with your stance on that. But what is one takeaway that you had at the beginning of your professional journey when it comes to documentation? You know, I think I really would wish that I had known just how important documentation really was. Um, and again, more than just fill out the description field in Salesforce. Okay, great. That makes you a good admin. Because um, while it does, it really doesn't. Um, telling me in the help text that I put the name of the record in the name field doesn't really add much value. But I did what I was told and I filled in the description field. Um, for some of the other fields, it's more about why we have it. What does it do in my work? What's the point? What group requested it? Who does it support? Um, how is it used? Is it part of reports? Is it part of automation? How should it be filled in? Am I expecting a user to fill this in on record create or edit? Am I expecting some sort of integration with another system to populate this field? And so this would be somewhere to look for troubleshooting. If something were to go wrong, um, do I have automation around it that fills it in? So again, I know what to go look at if something doesn't look quite right. And all of this is so important because the older I get, and you know, I'm not old yet, but um, I can't necessarily remember the things that I worked on two years ago anymore because the volume and the speed continues to increase. And as we grow our admin team, I'm not the only one making changes in the org anymore. So making sure that others who work alongside me or come behind me can decipher what I did and why definitely is important. Um, and even for myself, I mean, there are times that I, like I said, I've looked at something I wrote six months ago and I'm like, I have no idea what I did or why I did it this way. And having that documentation there really helps. And I wish that I had started doing that when I first started working with Salesforce. And now I'm in the same position as everybody else. I've got three or four years of customizations. I need to go back and document somewhere for the next generation. Yeah. And I, I think that yeah, that's something true. that almost inherently comes with using Salesforce, right? Um, we, we see this a lot with new users, um, new people being onboarded onto the platform. It's, it's like you said, it's the velocity that your organization suddenly moves after starting to use Salesforce or, or starting to adopt it more widely when you get an admin. Um, it's something that just inherently happens. And that's, it's really exciting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was going to say in going back to how you mentioned that when you started, no one really told you to start documenting all of the things that you're doing. It's an admin in Salesforce. So, I mean, why do you think no one ever really, mentioned that to you or showed you how to document these processes and how can people now who are or young people especially who are moving into their jobs really start with that at the beginning do you have any advice for that sure so i think the reason i wasn't really taught about it is it's the accidental admin syndrome um you get this really cool awesome technology tool but if you don't really know much about 
being a systems administrator or a database management, you know, person, you don't understand a lot of these nuances. Um, and again, Trailhead is phenomenal in teaching you the technical aspect of how do you administer Salesforce. But it's how do I write a process? How do I build a custom field? You know, what's Apex code? How do I use it? Um, and some of those soft skills, a lot of them, if you take the right majors in college, you'll probably get some exposure to that. Um, I have a degree in leisure studies. Let me tell you how far away from database management that is. Um, junior year, we were actually voted least employable major on campus. Or on campus, we beat philosophy as least employable wow. major. Um, so while I was busy learning, you know, all of the things about leisure studies, which, you know, sport management, tourism, you know, recreation, those kinds of things, all very important, nothing was technology related. Um, so I think a lot of it is understanding the context in which you're bringing a software solution like this into your company and what that actually means and how do you keep that and make it healthy. Um, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And one of the things that I started earlier this year before this whole thing hit was I decided to grow houseplants for the first time. Um, there's a lot that goes into being able to keep plants alive and healthy that I didn't really realize when I decided, oh, that's pretty and I want it. Um, and it's the same thing with the Salesforce org. Oh, it's pretty and we want it and it's going to help us with all these processes and it's going to automate things and we'll be faster and we'll be better. Well, that only works as far as you maintain that system and, and keep it healthy and keep it clean. And those are some of those things where a lot of times you learn them as you go and on the fly. So trying to help people kind of understand a little bit more about database management, um, understanding, you know, governance and how to successfully kind of integrate your org into your company and making sure that this technology that you're introducing falls in line with your technology stack to support your company's goals. It's all about making your company more successful and how you support that. And so I think it's a lot of it is the more kind of awareness we can bring to it, the more content that's out there around it that says, yeah, it's really great that you know how to build custom fields. Do you know how to document? Do you know how to keep these things, you know, clean and, you know, keep yourself a repository? Because it's going to help you in the long run. It's going to help your company in the long run. There's been more of a shift towards including some of that. And I think that's going to be incredibly helpful. And I think things like this podcast where people may not be exposed to those ideas through any sort of formal education, you trip over something like this and all of a sudden it opens your eyes and go, you know what, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it, but it's really important. And I'm going to incorporate that in how I do my job every day as a Salesforce admin. Yeah. 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 That's a very good point. And uh, I do think that, I mean, from a young age, we're taught how to document processes. Like when you're writing your first letters, like you're shown each part of the letter and you're told to draw, okay, draw the curve of the A, draw the line of the A and I'll do 50 of them. And so, we all know how to document things. It's just that we don't see it in this business context. Like when we first, when you first messaged us about talking about documentation, I was like, well, what do you mean? Because the only documentation that I've really done similar to this is like chemistry lab reports where, you know, you have an abstract, you have everything that you did throughout the whole process and how it worked. And like, we all know how to document. We're just not told to do it in this specific context. And I think that's really interesting. And sometimes I think it's also about how do you document things? Um, 
and it depends again on your audience, but for the most part, my favorite analogy is how do you teach a robot to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? If I asked you, Victoria, can you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You would go, yeah, of course I can. And you would go and you would do it. But if I were to ask a robot, hey, robot, can you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Nope. And there's so many more things that you need to teach that robot than I need to teach you. Because you know you need to go to the refrigerator and open the door and locate the jelly jar and pull it out and put it on the counter and then unscrew the lid. A robot actually has to be taught every single one of those steps in order to be able to successfully make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So it's also something about kind of checking your assumptions and checking your biases. Because just because Victoria knows how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a minimum amount of instructions, a robot will not. And when you're talking with about Salesforce, I mean, essentially it's, it's a robot. You need to tell it all of the things you want it to do. Um, and that's also something that's a very different mindset to kind of try and understand when you're documenting processes. Don't assume someone knows that step, write that step down. Because just because, you know, I've been in this industry for 10, 11 years now, and there are things that I just inherently know because I've picked them up over time. When we hire a new admin that has no knowledge of our industry, even if they know Salesforce, I have to be able to take myself back to what does a beginner know? What is a beginner expected to know? And how do I make sure that this is clear enough for them to be able to follow? And I do that a lot with my how-to documentation. Generally, I mean, the, the rude version of it is it's the idiot's guide to whatever process this is. But I, I infinitely prefer to say if I needed to hire someone off the street tomorrow and they needed to be able to successfully complete this with no assistance, have I given them enough information to do so? And that's generally kind of my rule of thumb of do I have detailed enough documentation for that particular type? I think that's good context for any job. I mean, leaving the Salesforce environment for a second, you know, I mean, it, you cannot possibly expect somebody to come in and, and do your job tomorrow if you don't document it or to hire someone to help you, right? Um, and a, a lot of the times what we see, especially with our customers and, and new Salesforce uh, implementations and new Salesforce, uh, people new to Salesforce is, um, you know, I've come in and we had 15 users and now all of a sudden we have 35 users and then we have 105 users. And so not only am I educating the sales department, which is what we bought Salesforce originally for, but now I'm doing field service lightning and I'm teaching the customer service department as a whole different set of processes. Um, and one of the interesting things that, uh, that I had put down in this Google doc that you answered was, um, you know, what form of documentation is most effective? And um, I, I just want to get into that a little bit. So when you go through documenting different processes, do you break it down by job role or do you break it down by overall, um, I guess, just overall objects? Like what, what is your stance on breaking those down and what forms of documentation do you use to document those things? So if we're talking processes, generally I try and go with um, some sort of process diagram, kind of like a flow chart, essentially. And there's a number of different ways that you can do it. Salesforce has some great presentations out there with, with many different styles of documentation. The two that are probably my favorite are either documentations that use swim lanes. And then um, there's actually a, a universal notation that's come out after that that essentially 
stops using swim lanes because then you have lines that go all the way across the page, up and down, depending on where you put your swim lane for each individual contributor. So, you know, for those not familiar with swim lanes, especially, essentially it's area of responsibility. So one swim lane would be sales, one swim lane would be prospects, one swim lane could be your legal department if they need, you know, to review a contract and we're talking about contract processes. Um, instead, this new, this new kind of documentation just looks like a flowchart, but instead at the bottom of each element, they list out the people who have responsibility for that particular piece of the process. And it makes it a lot easier to follow while still providing all of that information. Um, I think it's called the universal process notation now that I think about it. Um, and it's, it's been phenomenal because pretty much everybody can follow a flowchart. It's arrows and lines and boxes. Um, and it's a lot less to take in than maybe a five page document, even if I'm using numbered lists or bullets or anything like that. Um, walls of text generally tend to make people's eyes glaze over. Um, so if a picture is worth a thousand words, what's a picture with eight boxes? About 8,000 words. So I can do in eight boxes what it would take me five pages to write out. Um, and I think really it helps because you can quickly look at a one page document and get a sense of what's going on. You can see are there, you know, areas of risk or decision where the path splits and you have to make a call one way or the other. Um, and there's, depending on the software you use, there's other things you can do, like, you know, drill down into sub-processes where if something is a more detailed step within a larger process, you can link them all together and you can kind of be at the level that you need to be. Um, but I think that's probably the thing I have started doing the most in, in maybe even the last year is just every time I have a meeting with someone, every time we start talking about changing the way we do something, introducing new products, processes, anything, the first thing I'll do is I'll build a process chart and then I'll get everybody together and we'll go through it. And it's a really good thing for gathering requirements as well, because we can, we can have our discovery meeting and I can take that back and go, okay, based on our meeting, this is what I understand. This is all of the stuff that we're trying to accomplish. And here's how I've envisioned laying it out. Can you confirm that I understand correctly? And then I have a blueprint also to build off of. And I've already started writing my documentation that ends up being user training. And I've done it from the very beginning. It's organically part of that process. It's not that I have to go through an entire project and do it all and then stop at the end and very intentionally go, okay, I am now going to document this process and then go through some ordeal of writing my documentation. It just, it becomes organic. It helps me do my job more effectively and I've actually gotten a lot of great feedback from the management uh, here that this helps them understand things a lot better and we're gaining a lot of traction with other departments that we need to pull in when we're able to actually kind of show them the process and how they fit into that process. And I mean, getting people to buy in and sign off on things is just, has been so much better since we started doing this. Yeah, that's great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, yeah, and thank I've, you so much. And I really hope that this episode, specifically, as you mentioned earlier, inspires both new and seasoned professionals and Salesforce users to start documentation as soon as possible. 
So yeah, thank you so much again, Michelle, for being here. And so you mentioned that you're mostly active on Twitter, correct? Yep, I definitely uh, have embraced Twitter as the Salesforce social media. <laughs> okay, we'll put a link to your Twitter in the description, in the show notes below. And then we can also link your LinkedIn if that's okay with you. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'm just, I'm so grateful that you invited me to the podcast. I, I love being able to talk and, and share with others, you know, some of my experiences to hopefully make theirs a little bit easier. So thanks again for inviting me today. Yeah, of course. And also I will provide the link in the show notes for the full presentation on documentation that you did at Dreamforce recently. Um, so yeah, that link is down there. And you mentioned that you're happy to be contacted for the slide deck for that. Absolutely. There's a lot of great resources and links in there. Um, by no means am I the expert on anything and everybody learns slightly differently or has a different way of doing it. So one of my goals is always to share with you what I've learned and I've experienced, but give you the tools to extend your journey in a way that works best for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Wonderful. And uh, of course, uh, we need to mention uh, Commercial Sync. Uh, it uh, integrates your ERP and CRM. Um, you can let your salesperson know that you watched all the way to the end of this podcast and hopefully are fully enlightened on your documentation journey. Uh, the promo code for this podcast is podcast five. Thanks again for listening to the next gen podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the next gen podcast so that you never miss another episode. You can find more of the next gen podcast uh, content on all of commercial social media channels at commercial. And of course your local podcasting station, uh, on Google or uh, Apple podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. And Michelle, thank you again for, uh, for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much.